0: Isaiah chapter 7, verse 10. It reads like this Moreover, the word of the Lord uh, spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it in either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz says, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. And then he said, Hear now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men? But will you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And then Matthew chapter 1, verse 22, the Bible says, So uh, all of this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and will bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel,' <clears throat> which is translated God with us. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Speak to our hearts in a powerful way. Make the Christmas season come alive to us in ways that it never has before. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Well, tonight we're going to start a brand new series that I've entitled, God With Us. And we're going to be looking at, over the next few weeks, just the prophetic nature of the prophets, how they prophesied that Jesus Christ would come into the earth to be born of a virgin. You know, I love Christmas time. I think all of us do. As children especially, we anticipate the presents and the gifts and all of those things and the getting up in the morning and seeing all of those things. But the truth is, and all of us know this, Christmas is nothing without the true reason for the holiday, which is Jesus Christ coming literally into the earth. We get excited about the lights and the trees and all of those things. But the truth of the matter is is that if we take Christ out of Christmas, then really we have missed the point altogether. And I wish that in the Western world, in America, that we would realize that really in the middle of everything, even if we don't get another thing, we are so blessed, not only as Americans, but we're also blessed as Christians because Christ himself was the best gift that you and I could ever receive. And so we want to talk about this tonight as we look at all of these things. Now, we love Bible prophecy, and, and I don't know about you, but I, I love Bible prophecy. I love studying about the the second coming and what the prophet said about Jesus returning. and And I love to think about those things. And I don't know about you, but the longer that I live and the longer that I allow the news to pass before my eyes whether it's through printed media or whether it's through the television or something like that my heart longs for the lord to return and not in a not in a passive way not in a way of, of disengaging from the battle not not in the way of saying lord the whole world is going to pot just get me out of here not that i'm still actively engaged in the fight the scripture says "Occupied until i come in other words, you, you keep fighting as a good soldier and you keep doing what you're called to do. But my heart resonates with John on the Isle of Patmos. How in the last, book of, the last chapter of Revelation, he says, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Man, I'm excited about the day when Jesus comes and splits the eastern sky. And he comes riding a white horse with his people Behind him after the rapture has taken place and and we're getting ready to go into eternity. I'm so ready for that. And I love studying those prophetic passages. But I think a lot of times we disengage ourselves from the prophecies of the first coming of Christ. And you know just as significant as the prophecies of of the second coming of Christ are the prophecies of the first coming. Because here's the thing. Jesus Christ fulfilled every single prophecy uttered by the old testament prophets they prophesied where he would be born they prophesied um, you know that he would be born of a virgin they prophesied about his sinless life they prophesied about his purpose and we're talking about people who lived in different days they weren't you know when you start thinking about isaiah and jeremiah it wasn't like they went to the same high school come on somebody It's not like Ezekiel and Jeremiah shot basketball together. Some of these prophets lived hundreds if not thousands of years apart from each other. But yet through the lens of Bible prophecy, God was able through by the power of the Holy Spirit to show them what was to come and the hope and consolation of Israel, which was the manifestation of the Messiah of God's people. And so um, we know that most of Israel today is still waiting on their Messiah. And I believe it breaks the heart of God. That's why if you come to our prayer meetings before service, one of the slides that comes through says pray for Israel because we're believing that God will open Israel's eyes to the fact that their Messiah has come. And so as we're thinking about these prophecies, there's so many of them that we can key in on and we will over the next few weeks. But tonight, I want to look at this one where Isaiah said, And the sign will be to you that, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel. Why is this important? We should get excited about the prophetic promises of Christ's first coming for if any other reason, for this reason. You ready? This is so exciting to me. Because historically, archaeologically, biblically, All of the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled, prophesied about his first coming, have all been fulfilled. There's not one left that didn't happen. I mean, whether you're an atheist uh, or you're an agnostic or you're a liberal scholar, everybody agrees that Jesus Christ of Nazareth fit the description of every prophecy In the Old Testament concerning the first coming of Christ. And that's exciting to me. Why? Because many of the same prophets prophesied about his second coming and his second return. And you know what that tells me? If they nailed it the first time, they're going to nail it the second time. Hallelujah. And I believe that if they got it right about him coming the first time, that they're going to get it right about him coming the second time. Glory to God. And I think we can get excited about that. We can have faith in God's word because he always tells the truth. And so as we're looking at this, I wanted to talk about a different aspect of Christmas tonight. I want to talk about God's uh, human side has divinity meets humanity when Jesus comes among us. All of us know that in the Old Testament, man had an issue with sin, and that's still man's issue today. In fact, the greatest issue that man has is not any particular sin. All sin separates us from God. Not any particular issue. The issue is is that man, apart from a relationship with Christ, is disconnected from God. That's, That's the bulk of the whole thing. Man is disconnected. His good works cannot build a ladder to get to God. His, his uh, good deeds, um, his charitable gifts cannot build a ladder to get right with God. The only thing to get man connected to God was the cross, which built a bridge between heaven and earth. And Jesus Christ, in the form of a baby born of a virgin, a sinless life, and a miraculous raising from the dead provided the complete atoning work for man to have a relationship with God. And so in the Old Testament, as man is trying their best to be able to reconcile with God based on the animal sacrifices that he prescribed, and they would have to pick through their Their flocks and try to find the one that wasn't blind, that wasn't maimed, that wasn't spotted. They would define the perfect one. As they were doing all of these things, the prophets would prophesy about the Messiah who would come and be the hope of Israel. And Matthew tells us that God looks and he finds a virgin girl by the name of Mary. And she had never known a man and she was pure and all of a sudden she gets angelic visitation. And I know that You and I, when we think about things like this, we're like, man, that's a stretch. There's a virgin girl, there's an angel, there's all of these things. But the angel comes and says, Mary, you are highly favored and chosen by God. And you're going to give birth to a son, and the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. And you will give birth to the Son of God, and he will be the Most High. And his name shall be called Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. And Mary says, how will this happen I don't even know a man. And the angel said, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. And that's what happened. Mary said, yes, Lord, according to your word. And at that moment when Mary said, yes, something supernatural happened. The Holy Spirit came and and just overshadowed her. And God used her womb to basically come through the birth canal of humanity and cause Jesus to be born. And I know when we start talking about the virgin birth. And the sinless life of Christ. For some people that, that really gets kind of sketchy. But we need to know that it's an important part of the gospel. It's a vitally important part of the gospel. We cannot muddy this. We cannot disregard this. It is so important. Because sin came through the bloodline of Adam. And Adam and Eve when they sinned after that moment. Everything in that bloodline was, was tainted. And so what did God do? He used the womb of a woman. And he used the pure seed from God. And birthed a perfect bloodline. Which was Jesus Christ. And he never sinned. So important for us to realize that. That God chose him to be the sacrifice. That looked like you and I. To come and live among us. I love what 2 Corinthians chapter uh, uh, 8 and 9 tell us about Jesus. The Bible says, though uh, he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that through his righteousness we might become rich. Now, when you start using those words, they they mean different things to different people. But here's what the Bible says, that we were poor, Jesus was rich, he was in heaven, he was with God, he was in a perfect place with the Father, streets of gold, I mean everything, and yet... He, the Bible says, he humbled himself and he came to the earth to live in human flesh. He left everything and stepped out of eternity and stepped down into time and dwelt among us. You see, the Old Testament tells us that we couldn't get to God our sacrifices were never good enough. Our righteousness was like filthy rags. All of those things that we would attempt to do in our own humanity turned out to be nothing. Even the Apostle Paul echoed that statement in his letters when he said, you know, I'm, I'm a Pharisee among Pharisee. I'm, I'm multilingual. I'm, I'm circumcised on the eighth day. I studied among Gamaliel, one of the greatest men in Israel. And he said, you know what? I take all of that stuff and I stack it up in a big pile and present it to you. It's nothing but dung. That's what Paul said. I count it as rubbish, except one thing I want to do is to know Christ and him crucified and to identify with his suffering. Man, I'm telling you, When we think about it, God came down, left heaven to get involved in man's humanity. The Old Testament teaches us that our goodness cannot get to God. So what did He do? When we couldn't get to Him, He came down to us. I want you to think about that. When we couldn't get to Him, He came down to us. Reminds me of an old song from years ago from the Crab family. Uh, Gerald Crab, the, the father of the Crab family, uh, was a Church of God pastor, evangelist, and he had backslidden, got his family out of church, and they had been traveling on the road and doing things like that, and and uh, all of a sudden, they they had owned a car wash, they had opened a big family business, and you know they had washed cars by hand and those types of things, and 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 all of a sudden, uh, a torrential downpour came outside. And how many of you know a torrential downpour that lasts for hours, Is it might be good business on the next day for a car wash, but it's not good business on that day. And he remembers thinking about, Lord, how am I going to pay my bills today? How am I going to meet my income today? And all of a sudden, his heart remembered how he had backslidden and got away from God. And, and he penned the words to the song, Come Down to Me. And he, the song talks about, Lord, I know I'm not worthy to come before your throne. And, and anyways, he's wallowing in his self-guilt and his condemnation and, and all of these things. And he makes a statement in the song. He says, Lord, I, I know I'm too unworthy to come to you, so please come down to me. And what we have to realize is, is that's exactly what Jesus did on the cross When he came through the womb of Virgin Mary, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, he went back to heaven. But here's the thing, my friend. Jesus came down to get in the middle of our mess. It's amazing. The great thing is that the prophet said in Isaiah 7, go back to our text with us tonight. In verse 14, he says, Therefore the Lord will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. I want to look back one more time to Matthew 1, verse 23, because I'm going to give you some amazing information out of this three-letter phrase or this three-word phrase right here at the end of verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means which is translated, God with us. Tonight, that's what I want to focus on, God with us. Emmanuel is a name, it's a descriptive name that's found three times in the Bible, twice in the book of Isaiah, once in Isaiah 7, second in Isaiah 8, and third in Matthew chapter number 1. And it's simply a descriptive term that describes the incarnation of Christ coming down into the earth to get involved in humanity. And simply put, it's described like this, God with us. And so if you're taking notes tonight or you're looking along on the app at our notes, I've got several thoughts on there, but you can easily put this, one, God, two, with, three, us. And I want to break this down because God with us actually describes some amazing things that I want you to see. So if you're taking notes, number one, the first thing we see with God with us is this. Number one, it speaks of his deity. It speaks of his deity. Notice he said, his name shall be called Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. What the prophet is trying to say is that this baby born in Bethlehem's manger is not any other ordinary baby. You know, any other baby has a mother and a father and, a, you know, of, of human descent. Every other baby, you know, may be the same in many aspects, but Jesus was different in the fact that God with us speaks of his deity, of his divinity. See, this baby would not just be a baby, but it would be God in flesh. See, John <clears throat> chapter 10, verse 30 says this. Jesus says, that about, says this about himself, I and the Father are one. I and my Father are one. John chapter 14 verse 11, here's what Jesus says, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Philippians chapter 2 verse 6 through 7 says, who being in the very nature of God did not consider um, equality with God something to be grasped for, but he made himself nothing, of no reputation. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in the likeness of human flesh, in the likeness of men. One translation, I'm reading a different translation tonight. Colossians chapter 1 verse 19 reads like this. For God was pleased to have all the fullness dwell in him of the Godhead. So thinking about Christ, Jesus was not just another man He wasn't a prophet like Muhammad. He wasn't another deity like some Islamic guru. He was not some Hinduistic um, uh, brilliant mind of his day. Jesus actually not only claimed to be God, but he was God. And the thing that proved his divinity were not just his claims, but that the fact that Jesus rose from the dead exactly Like God said he would. I'm telling you this morning, or this evening rather, it's an amazing thing to think that God came down into human flesh. Isaiah chapter 9, I quoted this verse earlier, uh, verse number 6. We're gonna look at this one Sunday. For unto us a child is born. And unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, um, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. That is God in the flesh. I love John 1.14. It says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld the glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Last verse in this passage that I want to show you is 1 John 1, 1 through 2. If you have it on the screen, notice there it says, That which was from the beginning, that which we have uh, heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at with our hands, we've touched, we proclaim concerning the word of life, The life appeared, we have seen it and we testify to it. And we proclaim to you that eternal life which was with the Father has appeared to us. Here's what Jesus is trying to tell us tonight. God with us is literally as it says, Jesus was God coming to the earth. You see there are many people who wrestle with the fact of Well, we believe in Jesus, but we just believe he was a prophet. Even Islamists believe in Jesus. They call him Isa. Uh, You know, Hindus believe in Jesus. and, And many other religions claim to be in Jesus. But the thing that they get wrong about Jesus is his deity. The truth is that Jesus is God. Jesus told Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We sang about it tonight. God in three persons. Blessed Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So important tonight. Here's another thing we need to look at. God with us. Number one, speaks of his deity. But number two, speaks of his intentions. Notice he says God with us. He, he wasn't just God, but he was God with God was with us. I want you to know something. It's one thing to know that He's God, but it's another thing to know that He's present in our circumstances. Amen? I mean, I want you to think about something. There's a holy God. You and I have sinned. Our sin has separated us from Him, but He loved us so much that He devised a plan that you and I could have a relationship with Him. So what did He do? He sent forth His only son to be with us. Jesus came in the flesh and he walked among mortal men and women just like you and I. He was tempted. He was uh, maligned. He was um, set up. He He had rumors spread on him. Jesus had those that were the closest to him betray him. Judas, whom he chose... Uh, and and betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. you got to think about this. Jesus was touched by every single aspect of humanity. The Bible says it like this. He was in all points tempted, yet as we were, yet without sin. I mean, so when we go to Jesus sometimes and we're praying and we're like, God, you just don't understand. Yes, he does. He understands because he's God with us. He understands because he's present in the pain. The last i checked tonight, not one of us has ever shed blood over our walk with God. Last I've checked, none of us have ever stood in front of the face of the death of a Roman cross. But yet Jesus, when he went to Calvary, the scripture is very literal when it says, he that knew no sin became sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in Him. What does that mean? Jesus did not pay a penalty for His sin. He paid a penalty for our sin. And the weight of the sin of the world was upon His shoulders. And so what does that mean? That means that He came down and got in the middle of our mess. God with us. Think about the woman caught in the act of adultery. Very famous passage of Scripture. And here she's condemned by the law of Moses. Stoner, Rabbi, that's what the law says, but what do you say? And Jesus said, he that's without sin cast the first stone. And you know the story John records. He gets down into the dust of the earth and with his finger he begins to write in the sand. And we don't know what he said, but what we do know is because Jesus is God... The same finger that wrote on the Ten Commandments, Thou shalt not commit adultery, also wrote down in the sand of life. And you know what he did? This woman was thrown down. She was cast down. She was in a place of humiliation, shame, caught in her nakedness, caught in her act. Jesus didn't pick her up and make her look up to the sky. But you know what he did? He humbled down and got on her level and God in her dirt. You know why? Because He's God with us. And you know, when Peter's mother-in-law was sick with a fever, and she was about to die, and Jesus was in the house of Peter, you know what Jesus did? Jesus went in to where Peter's mother-in-law was. And the Bible says He reached down and He touched her. You know why He touched her? Because He's God with us. You know, the Bible says that um, <clears throat> Mary and Martha were weeping at the death of their, their friend Lazarus. And, and he, you know, Jesus, you're a day late and a dollar short. You should have been here early. The Bible says that Jesus wept and, and, and he went with them and, he, rejo- and he, he, he comforted them and he consoled them. You know why? Because he's God with us. You know what? God with us teaches us that he's not a distant God. God with us teaches us that he's not a far-off God. Yet the Bible says he's ever-present help in a time of trouble. Jesus said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I'll be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I'll be with you always, even until the end of the age. He is God with us. And I need to tell somebody tonight, even when you can't feel him, he's still with you. Even when you can't see him, he's still with you. Why? Because he's a promise keeper. God with us speaks of his intentions. His intention was not just to come to earth and be, but his intention was to come and be in the middle of us. God is love. The God kind of love is the agape kind of love. It's unconditional. Here's what kind of love God has. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world. You know what that world there means in the Greek? It it doesn't mean the planet necessarily. It, It speaks of everybody in the world. It speaks of the systems in the world. Everything in the world. God so loved the world. He didn't just love the saved world. He just didn't love the world that loved Him back. The Bible says He loved those who didn't even know about Him yet. He loved the world so much because He created the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believed in Him should not perish, but have everlasting, eternal life. That's God with us. Here's another one, Luke 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. Folks, I'm telling you, Jesus came down from heaven to be with us. Present in our pain, present in our problems, present in our circumstances. And guess what? When he came with us, uh, came down here with us, he didn't just come to be present, but he also came to bring solutions. He came to be solution, he came to bring solutions. And when he came down to hurting humanity, he always had an answer. And that answer was found in, in this personhood of who he was. Now, here's what I want you to see. It speaks of his intention. But number three, God with us speaks of his involvement. Look at this. God with us. God with us. God speaks of his deity. With speaks of his intentions being present. But us speaks of his involvement. You know what it says when it says God with us? Everybody say us. Us is personal. Us is personal. It's so easy for us to say, well, God God takes care of other people. Or God loves other people. God doesn't understand what I'm going through. God doesn't understand what my family's going through. God doesn't understand my pain or my heartache or my situation or anything like that. No, that's not the truth at all. It speaks of the involvement God with us. Can I tell you something tonight? Whether there were a thousand people or a million people or just one person God would still go to the one person because the one person is valuable to him. You don't believe me? The Bible records a Gentile in the book of Acts who is an Ethiopian eunuch and he is A nobody to anybody's standards. He's Ethiopian, and if you don't know anything about Ethiopia, he wasn't just black. He was black, black. He was a eunuch, which means he had been castrated. He couldn't produce. And he's alone in a desert. Nobody. There's no water. There's nothing. He's all by himself. And you know what? He's got a scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and he's reading it. And he doesn't understand what he's reading. But there was something in his heart that was longing for God. There was something in this eunuch's heart, this Ethiopian's heart, that he was longing to know God more. He was longing to know who was Isaiah talking about. And you know what God did? God Star Wars' Philip in the Old Testament and translated him. In the middle of nowhere, Philip was one place and all of a sudden God picked him up and put him in the middle of a desert while this man was reading this scroll and he said, I don't understand, can you teach me? And Philip led him to Jesus and where there was no water, God made water appear so he could be baptized in the desert. That's what God with us means. He's personal and if you need him, he'll always show up. You may think he's late, but he's always on time. Even with Lazarus' delay, he had a purpose for delaying his coming. But I'm telling you, he's a very personal God. He's present. Everybody say he's present. God with us. The book of Acts records that Peter, the apostle, was in prison, scheduled to be executed. And it was the night before he was about to get his head taken off. And the Bible says the church was praying. And they were having a prayer meeting. By the way, I can't emphasize enough how important corporate prayer is. Coming together to pray corporately. They prayed. And as they were praying, Peter was sleeping. I don't know how you have enough peace in your life to to sleep. When you're about to be executed the next day. I don't even sleep well when I have to go to the dentist the next day. Can I get amen? Something about the drill I don't like. But Peter's praying and guess what happens? An angel comes. Knocks on the prison door. Busts out his shackles. Doesn't wake the guard up opens the door and Peter goes and knocks on the door of the people having the prayer meeting and and they're wiping their eyes because they're praying all night long and they said, it can't be Peter because they don't even have faith in their own prayer and and they have to go back and answer the door and Peter's like, guys, it's me. Why did God get Peter out of prison? Because he's God with us. He's with us. I could go on and on about Paul and the storm. I could go on about John on the Isle of Patmos where he's isolated and exiled to a place where they're going to try to boil him in oil. And yet John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And God protected him. Why? Because he's not just God in the sky. He's God with us. He's ever present. Matthew 28 verse 20. The great passage about the great commission. Jesus told them to go make disciples and baptize them. And that's what we're getting ready to do on Sunday. <clears throat> but the latter part of that passage says this. Teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you to do. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And the word amen is not some religious word we say when the preacher says something we like. Amen means, so be it, I agree. And that's the words of Jesus. And Jesus said amen. And if Jesus can say amen, then we need to say amen. And you know what? Jesus said this. He said, I'm going to be with you always. He said, even to the end of the age. You say, whoa, wait a minute, pastor. But Jesus died on the cross and went back to the heaven. Yes, he did. But he told his disciples, it's expedient to you that I go away. Because if I do not go away, I cannot send the comforter to you. So how is Jesus with us present today? Through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. I preached a message some years ago called The Spirit of Christmas. And I talked about the Holy Spirit's ministry throughout the birth of Christ and all of those different things and talked about Simeon and and all the people who had a a primary role in the story of Christmas. The Holy Spirit is always pointing us to Christ. And that's why you and I need to be full of the Holy Spirit and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's presence on the inside of us is God's promise to us to keep us and to guide us and to be with us even to the end of the age. Tonight, as I close and close your Bible, I want to I just give you this piece of encouragement as we get ready to leave tonight. No matter what you may feel, no matter what you may think or perceive, I'm going to tell you, feelings are, are real, but they're not always true, Right? You may feel like nobody likes you, but that doesn't make it true. Amen? Uh, I, I, I tell this to my children all the time. Feelings are real. We don't want to dismiss your feeling. You might feel alone, but that doesn't mean you are alone. Amen? And so feelings are real. But I want to encourage you tonight that when you're going through the circumstances of life, difficulties, and hard times, And sometimes your flesh says, God, where are you? I want you to know his name is Emmanuel. And it means God with us. And he wasn't just with us in the manger, but he's with us presently. Because the scripture says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you.